I'm Lisa Mateo of the PIX11 Morning News in New York, and you're listening to Pure Gold. Studio has some A Rod paraphernalia. What's this all about? 
Well, uh, for those of you who did tune in last week, and uh, thanks to the over 700 of you who have listened, and Joe and I d- debated talking about this, but you know, for a show like ours, where our, our listener base has been steadily increasing, you know, we've gotten up to over 1,000 listens a show, and we thank all of you who are, who are checking in, who are tuning in, who are checking us out. You can check us out on iTunes, you know, again, follow us, all that goodness on the tab. But uh, for those of you who listened, we, it's our second highest episode ever. And amazingly enough, Joe was not on that episode, so I'm starting to wonder if that's a, you know, if that's a if that's a little tweak that we can throw out there. But yeah, Aaron Anna Rodriguez was with us uh, live in studio or out of her home, and uh, you know she helped me steer the show as it were. She did a great job. Uh, Hans joined me last week, and of course Joe, you called in and you pretty much helped anchor the second half of the show. But for the first time ever in the history of Pure Gold, you did not co-host a show with me, sir. It was truly pure gold. <laughs> yeah, if you say so. I mean, apparently I have competition with the intro. I mean, I gotta, I gotta step up my game. Yeah, apparently. I mean, uh, I know there was some, there was some things thrown about there by uh, Miss Anna about how it was uh, the greatest intro she had ever heard in her life, and that you had some comps. So just, just remember, sir, I can replace you in a second. Not only is she better looking than you, she's also much funnier, and she's, just, just she's wonderful. You scum, she is great. She better be better looking than I am. We'll have issues if she's not. <laughs> no comment. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, sir. I mean, definitely, there's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. I mean, Anna is a is a is a wonderful, is a, is a one of God's beautiful creatures. And you, sir, you come from the underworld. That's all I can tell you. All right, sir. It's good to be back. All all kidding aside, it's good to be back here broadcasting well, on sir, Pure Gold it, tonight. If, if we weren't kidding, it wouldn't be Pure Gold. I mean, when are you and I ever serious? Yeah, we're never serious. You're right about that. But, sir, we got some time before Anna joins us to talk about her new movie, The Marriage Retreat. Um, I just want to get right into it and talk about because we didn't really get to talk about it last week while I was on vacation. But this second half for the Mets has not only been, well, except of, as of late, I guess, they're having a good road trip. But this team went from contending for a wild card right before the All-Star break to, I don't even call it a swoon. I, I've been calling it a nosedive, sir. This team has completely spit the bit. You got players that we thought were had great potential, and now they're back in the minors. The team is in disarray once again, and um, it's just a shame if you're a Mets fan to see the second half end so abruptly, and the Mets now pretty much are not even contending for the second wild card spot. You know, it, it's actually unbelievable that the Mets fell this far this fast, and yeah, they are coming off three out of four games. Uh, against the Giants, and they won, uh, you know, what is it, two out of three with the the Dodgers. So they're playing a little better baseball as of late. But, sir, the Mets were in the thick of things, and we went on our little mini vacation before the All-Star break. I mean, we were talking about how the Mets were, were going to take the world by storm, and here we are. The, the Mets are an absolute train wreck. You know, they're just playing terrible baseball. And, again, yeah, all right, they semi-quasi sort of turned things around recently, but they're so far out of it that at the trade deadline, no moves were made, nothing could be done, nothing could, was able to improve the team. So, I mean, sir, it, it, was, it was pure crap. The Mets are playing like pure garbage, and it's an absolute shame and a disgrace and a debacle because you and I, as lifelong Mets fans, and, and you know, I, I have to give us credit like uh, only I can do because we didn't get too high. I see the things on Twitter. I love the Mets fans who we follow on Twitter. Um, you know, like there's, uh, there's Nicole who – who we follow, Heather Nicole, I believe her name is, and there's, uh, you know, Andrea, not your Andrea, uh, a couple other people, um, Kate. I mean, there's just a whole bunch of great Mets fans that I talk to on a regular basis, 
And I think a lot of them are totally nuts. Wonderful women, wonderful men, but totally out of their minds. Um, thinking the Mets had a chance and talking about how, oh wow, the National League won the the All Star game. Now the Mets are, have home field advantage for the World Series. I mean, are you kidding me? Are you serious? Come on, you make us all sick. Huh, sir? Uh, playoffs? Who talk about playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I mean, come on. You know, sir. Um, it, it's funny that you, you kind of throw. Go ahead. <laughs> it's kind of funny that you throw that to me because you could say this about pretty much every game for two weeks right after the All Star game. And that was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. We it's threw that game. We gave it away by doing that. We gave them the friggin' game. In my opinion, that sucked. That is a quote from Terry Collins after every game for the two weeks after the the. Uh, <laughs> After the All-Star break, sir, because that's how terrible the Mets looked. And, again, you know, you and I have not gotten too high. We have not gotten too low. Um, but, sir, you you got to be kidding me. It, with these Mets fans, you know what? The Mets have been have been a bad team. And, again, we, we will never not be Mets fans, but they've been a bad team for a long time. And, you know, you can't get too high. You can't get too down. I think that's why you and I aren't so disappointed because – we didn't expect the Mets to do much of anything this year, and the fans get all caught up in the hype. But I mean, look at the talent on this team. There's there's not a lot to go around. Yeah, you're right. I just didn't expect this team to crash and burn so fast. I mean, I, with the second wild card, I, I kept saying how the Mets should, in theory, be in it until at least late August, early September, and even that didn't happen. It just it, the wheels came apart. This team now mid July, sir. Mid-July, the wheels came apart. Oh, by the way, that was Heather Nicole, one of my favorite uh, fellow Mets fans, who I had just it out there. Uh, I'll make sure to, to tag them later so they can check the show out. But, sir, they fell apart. And it goes to show you, you know what, at the end of the day, the facts are the facts and the numbers don't lie. You need talent. David Wright's having a heck of a year. Ike Davis is doing great, 20 home runs, hitting like one, you know, 200, 201, whatever the case is. But let's be honest, sir. There's a lot of stuff that the Mets need. They need a, an entirely new bullpen. They need a whole lot of help. And I'm, you know, I think the Mets have a, have a bright future, sir. Matt Harvey looked excellent. I'm talking about excellent. And you know, his two performances, he's done a great job. So I just want to throw that out there. He's a bright spot in the in the middle of the whole sloppy jalopy that is the New York Mets right now. I think the ironic thing is that when you talk about the Mets. That's the one thing that the, is their strength, and I think that will be their strength next year, is that their starting pitching is going to be really strong. I mean, look at John Nisi. He's having a pretty good year. He pitched another great game the other day. Uh, Dickey is having an, uh, a career year. And Santana, you know, we don't know where he really is. He, he could be a good pitcher. He's, he's injured right now. But I just think that, like you said, with Wheeler and with Harvey, the starting pitching is not where the Mets need to focus in the offseason. And, and, again, the bullpens – Let's face it, bullpens are a year-to-year thing. It's a crapshoot. You never know how good your bullpen's going to be year-to-year. So the Mets really should focus on getting some big thumpers, especially in the outfield, since I don't think Duda and, let's face it, Jason Bay, I mean, that's the one move I wanted Jason desperately Bay, was for the Mets. The Mets need so to release. Tell me, the so Mets, how about it, that guy? Yeah, the Mets need to release Jason Bay. That's the one thing that they should have done for the Mets fan, was just release him and pay him his money and get the hell out of the team. 
Yeah, you're right, sir. Oh, one more person to throw out there, Susie, Susanna. She's a big Mets fan. Got to throw out there. Um, you know what, sir? You're absolutely right. Jason Bay has got to go. He is pure scum. The guy doesn't even look like a like a fifth of what he used to be. It's absolutely unbelievable that he is so terrible, that he has done such a horrible job. The guy has nothing left. In the, Joe, he's got 10 RBI this season, and I know he, he was out for a while, but come on, this guy stinks. I get he's getting paid a million dollars. He's going to go down, uh, by a million I mean like $66 million. Uh, He's going to go down and by far the worst free agent signing in Mets history. Funny enough, you and I were talking about it yesterday, I believe, and then I saw that Bleacher Report article from April. This guy's a joke. I don't even know why the Mets still have him on their roster. Yeah, I don't either. But again, the Mets will need to really get some big, uh, big bats in their lineup, and and the best way to do that is to look for some free agents or make some trades for the outfield because the Mets have holes. Let's face it, in right field, left field. I guess Newhouse could be your center fielder. Um, but, yeah, you know, well, Mets... I, you know what happened to Kirk Newhouse? I mean, this guy looked like the real deal, and then all of a sudden he just totally fell off the face of the earth. He did. He I didn't did, even know. Like, what happened to him? Yeah, I don't know. Like, And you can't even say he hit a wall because usually you have to play a full year and then be bad the next year to hit that wall. You can't hit a wall your first year halfway through the season. Sir, he looked excellent. This guy could hit, he could field, he could do it all. And then all of a sudden... He, he, he flushed his season down the toilet. And I get that he's in the minor leagues. And Lucas Duda is another guy who looked great for a while. Now he's an absolute chump stain. Um, I'm thinking Duda is probably going to end up in the American League somewhere. Guy can't field. He needs to go. But Kirk, Captain Kirk, as the girls like to say, um, I think he has a lot of potential. But, man, he looked. this guy looked like an all-star in the making, and then he just scummed it up, sir. He did. I mean, the Mets have so many holes. Again, we talk about it on and off. Ike Davis, right, Ike, sir, not to cut you off, but you're talking about the holes in the team. What, where do they not have a hole? Where are the Mets pretty much set? If you were to look at the Mets objectively, where would you say that, you know, we don't need to worry about X position or Y position? I, I just think it's starting pitching you off the touch. I think that's great. I think you need to re-sign David Wright at the end of this year, and then everything else is a crapshoot. You need to fill out everything else. You mean give David an extension? Uh, not an extension. Give him a whole new contract because he does. I think he has the club option for next year, if I'm not mistaken. So you're talking about in the future for 2014 and beyond to, to sign him long term? Yeah, I, I think that you have to, as as much as you hate it, you have to build around him. You might get some other free agents, but he's the face of your franchise. And, and I like David. I think he's a good player. I just don't think that he is the, you know, the cornerstone building block. And I, I'm going to get hell for this, I'm sure, on Twitter. But the, I don't think he's the, he's the franchise player. He is the he is the 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 guy, the main guy right now. He's going to hold the franchise records, but he's not the type of guy who's going to lead your team to the promised land. He's the type of guy who'd be a good number two uh, if you had uh, Mike Piazza in his prime or somebody like that. You know, I mean, if you put him, you put a healthy, you know, Mike Davis starting out hitting good from the beginning of the year. If you can find somebody to play left and right and center. <laughs> and the plate uh, behind the plate because Josh totally stinks. Let's be honest, he he can't hit worth the lick. So they, I mean, they have to get rid of most of these guys, and I guess that's the problem. You got most of your offense that you need to overhaul. Uh, they seem to be set at short with Tejada. I'm not convinced Murphy's going to be a long-term second base solution, um, and they definitely need help in all their other positions. Their starting rotation seems like it's going to be set, but the entire bullpen needs overhaul. Sir, out of a 25-man roster, the Mets are set may, maybe like what? six, seven guys at the most, uh, you know, maybe maybe you can get up to eight. 
at at the most. You know, if you count Tejada, if you count Davis, if you count Wright, if you count um, the five starting pitchers, you know, that that's pretty much it. If the Mets, and when I mean the Mets, if the Wilpons, Sandy Alderson, and Terry Collins were all banking on this was going to be a year that we just write out who we have from our minor league system, then next year is the real test of Sandy Alderson and the Wilpons. we got to see if they're going to actually start spending money, putting money back into this team, because you cannot continue to be in the New York market and put on a minor league baseball team like the Mets do this year. I mean, this year I'm willing to give them a pass because – the first half of the year, they outperformed, you know, their just their their record. They were above 500 until they crashed in the second half. But now's the time to start infusing some free agents, some big bats, and then go with the starting pitching that you have because I think that you can't get much better than the starting pitching that they have right now in the in but free so, agent market. Are, are they going to get big bats? Are they going to get guys who are going to sit there and produce? You know, are, are, do the Mets have that in their farm system? To me, that that's what worries me. What do the Mets have in their farm system that's going to come up? That's going to be good. Yeah, a lot of the guys came, a lot of the spare parts and all, all that, et cetera, et cetera. They did, you know, they they did a good job to fill in. But the Mets are basically were basically a Triple A team, playing above their heads and always coming back with two runs down. I mean, with two outs. But now that two out magic is gone. Yeah, it's it's definitely gone, and it's sad because we have the whole month of August. It's only August second. And, um, you know, I, I think we could only hope for, like, a Yankee swoon because even they, uh, until yesterday, were really, like, losing, what, 3 out of 12, 3 out of 10, whatever. They, they Their lead has been cut in almost in half, and now you got the Baltimore Orioles back in the division and the, the Tampa Bay Rays. But, other, I mean, I, we can't be talking about the Mets this whole month of August. We'll lose all those 750 uh, people that listened last week. <laughs> Yeah, we'll lose seven fifty, a thousand, whatever it is. We, the show, the show. Forget about uh, December tenth or sixteenth. We'll be done next month. And you know, we were counting so heavily on the Mets, you know, coasting us through August and being in contention that now we're pretty much forced to go back to talking about wrestling, which we haven't talked about in a month. We're going to be forced to talk about the WWE because because the Mets are, you know. And again, we get that the Mets are playing good at this moment. They won a bunch of games. It's really cool. But they're out of it. They're out of. They're out of everything, pretty much. So, I mean, unless the Mets get blazing hot, which they don't have the bullpen to do, I mean, this season is pretty much done, and I, I hate to say it because we really desperately needed the Mets to get the job done, sir. Yeah. I mean, there was also actually rumors I heard on the radio today that uh, Heath Bell for Jason Bay, I mean, a, a problem for a problem. At this point, I just want Jason Bay off my team. I will, I'll take Heath Bell back. I think that that guy is not a lost cause. You know? I agree, and I don't understand why why the Mets fans are so like, adamant against Jason Bay stinks. I'll take Jason Bay for a bag of balls. I'll take Jason Bay for you know for M- Michelle or for you know one one of these other Mets fans that I always talk to on Twitter. I, I, put them in left field. Put any of them. Take them all. You know, all the girls, all the guys, all of them. Kevin, every one of them. Just 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 you know, make it a rotation of Twitter Mets fans. Make it Twitter baseball. Jason Bay is a chump stain and a half. The guy stinks. He is a bum, and I want him off my team. I would take anything for him right now, and I mean anything. You know, I, I, hell, put, put put a 15-year-old out in left field. My my nine-year-old niece, my 10-month-old daughter, anyone, put put a rod out there, as in our a rod. I don't care. I'm done. I, I'm done. Jason Bay. You know what, pal? You know what, pal? I got a couple of words for you, and this is straight from the Mad Dog's mouth. Oh, the Mad Dog's sick. That's that's I And I used to feel bad for the guy, but I'm done. Get him off my team. 
Yeah, you're right about that, sir. And with an action-packed show like tonight, because it's, uh, we we got a lot to talk about, I think let's take a quick time out. On the other side of the break, we'll come back. We'll talk about some Raw 1000 and uh, hopefully have Anna Zelensky on as soon as possible. Yes, sir, absolutely. Folks, we will be right back. Always remember, this is the greatest show ever, Pure Gold. Hi, I'm Anna Zelensky, and make sure to tune in to Pure Gold, where you can hear great interviews, wonderful insight, and the best talk radio around. This is Josh Eisenberg from ChairShot Reality on WrestleZone.com. Tune in each week to Pure Gold Radio with Dave and Joe as they talk about professional wrestling, music, movies, whatever's on your mind, they'll get to it. Pure Gold Radio, Dave and Joe, the best out there, laying the smackdown each week. That's Pure Gold Radio. I'm Lisa Mateo from the Pix 11 Morning News in New York. Make sure you check out Pure Gold every week for the best talk radio around. Hi guys, I'm actress Laura Jean Salerno and you're listening to David and Joe on puregoldpg.com. So relax, put your feet up and listen in. I mean, not on the table because that's just gross. Sir, I, I, I just got to cut you off real quick. Uh, I know we're going to get back to the regular schedule programming, but I just want to send our special condolences out to Laura Jean because uh, the reason I played that promo is because I, uh, I'm not sure, it was a much older member for family, possibly her grandfather. He passed away today, so I just wanted to send that out to our condolences and, you know, to, to Laura Jean, who's a valuable, you know, guest of the show and an old friend from high school. So, we, you know, we grieve with her and, you know, we feel terrible about that. So the reason I played that promo is kind of like in honor of her, her family members, sir. Thank you, sir. And, yes, I, I concur. Our thoughts and prayers are with her and her family. But, sir... Last week, while I was on vacation, it seemed like a lot of things happened while I was on vacation, but last week was Raw 1000, and to think about that, 1,000 shows, 1,000 episodes of Monday Night Raw started back way back in January of 1993. Last week was number 1,000, and I honestly, it was a great nostalgic episode. I could not ask for a better show. I thought it was, a, a especially the beginning with the DX reunion, I thought that was a great job. It was oh, great seeing, wonderful. Yeah, wasn't it great seeing Billy and, and, um, and Road Dogg back on TV? As oh, DX? man, Consider, <laughs> sorry, considering they were on our show and they were talking about DX, et cetera, that was wonderful. And I also read online in a couple of different places that um, apparently the WWE was impressed with Billy and they're thinking about bringing him back maybe for some matches. I mean, that'd be great. I love Billy Gunn. Always been a huge fan of his. And although he's actually a year older than Shawn Michaels, which is amazing, he's in great shape, sir. I think he would do a great job in the current WWE. Heck, I think that New Age Owls would be just what the tag team division needs. <laughs> You're right about that. And, you know, what what do you think about it, sir? I mean, is it, now Raw is three hours. I think that's over the top. It's overkill. But for a, 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 an episode like Raw 1000, I thought it fit perfectly. They did. Um, they put a lot of stuff in there, and I just think it was just a fun episode to watch, uh, just being a wrestling fan. Totally agree. I thought it was a great episode. You know, and, and honestly, I haven't been watching wrestling much lately, but i got to tell you, the last couple of episodes of Raw have been good. That, that uh, anniversary show, the... You know, 1,000th episode, which is, sir, it's amazing that Raw has gotten to 1,000 episodes. I mean, uh, how crazy is that? Well, you know, when you think about it. But, yeah, um, you know, I looked at the whole the whole thing, and it was great. The Rock back, he gets taken out by CM Punk, the quote-unquote punk heel turn, quote-unquote. Um, I thought it was I, I thought it was good stuff. I mean, it was entertaining all around to see, you know, uh, Sid Vicious, Lita. Sir, I popped huge 
when the APA came out, always loved those guys. Heck, I wish that when Bradshaw did, does his whole Seven Mountains Expedition thing for charity, I'd love it if he were to come back to the WWE with Farouk. And, I mean, the APA, sir, they're still in good shape. Love those guys. It would be great to have them back. Oh, on a side note, yesterday, or excuse me, uh, today, actually is the 20-year anniversary of Ron Simmons becoming the first African-American world heavyweight champion in a major wrestling promotion, sir, where he defeated Big Van Vader, who was also on Raw 1000. So, sir, what a moment and what a match that was. I had to throw that out considering that they were both on the show. I still remember watching that match the first time in 1992, August 2nd. It was just a classic match, and uh, JR really makes that match. I think Ron Simmons' reaction after the match, we both agree, oh, is just pure classic. gold. I mean, his the excitement, the pure excitement that came off of him after he pinned Vader after that huge power slam, it was just, it sends chills. I still watch it, I still watch it yesterday, and I watch it today. Uh, just like it was 20 years ago, that match was classic. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was an amazing moment in wrestling history. And, uh, sir, he was so elated, so excited. That that was pure gold, sir. It was absolutely wonderful to see. Yeah, so we talk about Raw 1000. Um, and, you know, you, you had tweeted this, and I read it while I was on vacation, the fact that uh, AJ was named the general manager of Raw. And uh, for the people that don't want to be spoiled and watch SmackDown tomorrow night, I don't know why you'd watch SmackDown on Friday night, but anyway... Booker T is the general manager for SmackDown, but sir, I think AJ is uh, actually a pretty decent general manager if she's going to be this way about it. I think that, you know, you need to have a heel general manager. Having a face general manager, to me, is just kind of boring, to be honest with you. So that's why I don't I really know. I don't really don't know Definitely Booker agree. T. You know, I don't know if Booker T is going to be... I mean- I like Booker simply because he's the Booker man. I, I kind of wish he'd get a haircut, but that's just my own personal preference on the hair. Um, yeah. You know, Booker, uh, I remember him with the flat top, with Harlem Heat. Always loved him, huge fan of his. I think he'd be a great general manager. So it should be good, but you're right. In the long run, typically the face GMs don't do a good job. So uh, I, don't, I don't imagine AJ lasting very long. And, heck, I don't even know if Booker's going to last so long. But, you know, we'll see where that goes. Yep, and I have to give credit out to you live and on the air tonight, Pure Gold. I'm giving you lots of props for predicting this a long time ago, and you were probably one of the first people that predicted that John Cena would not only win Money in the Bank, but then he would also be the first person to lose when he cashes in his Money in the Bank. So you were right yep, about that. And, and he did, sir. Uh, I was right about that. Uh, finally, it's nice to be right about something, considering how wrong I always am. Um, I just couldn't see it. You know, if there was anybody, and I mean anybody, who could who could take that kind of a loss, it's John Cena. He, he's got the credibility. He's got the he's got the the career. Um, you know, the, such a wonderful career. As much as I dislike the guy. He can take that. You know, Jericho could take that kind of loss, considering Jericho never wins anyway. Uh, by the way, I think that him and Ziggler, that'll be an interesting feud. I'd love to see Jericho actually take the Money in the Bank briefcase from Ziggler, but that, that's neither here nor there. Um, I thought he could lose it. I thought he could take the loss. Uh, we both thought Daniel Bryan would be the first guy, and you see how great his career has gone, even though he did have that 18-second loss at WrestleMania. Um, I, you know, Joe, I look at the whole the whole scenario, and it just it was it was almost – too predictable, but in a good way. If Cena had won, it would have been terrible. I know you feel the same way, but I'm actually hoping that uh, CM Punk will actually hold the WWE title the entire 2012 calendar year. I know Triple H threw out an edict that he wants longer title reigns, and sir, to me, that would be perfect. It would be. I think what we when you left 
um, when Raw 1000 went off the air, you, you got the feeling that it was a great show, it was a great celebration, but coming out of that, CM Punk established himself once again with the, um, you know, the what do you call that, the pipe bomb that he does? Quote-unquote, yeah. Yeah, the quote-unquote pipe the, the bomb. The pipe bomb. And he, he said something that really stuck to me, because we've always said that the focus of of wrestling should always be the world title. And, and CM Punk actually said that. And I think he sometimes either reads or watch, listens to our show. I don't know. But CM Punk, you're right. It's, the focus should always be on the world title. It shouldn't be on anything else but the world title. And CM Punk really cut a great promo uh, last uh, this past week on Monday at Raw 1001. Um, and I think that CM Punk should keep that title until at least the Royal Rumble. And I think him against The Rock would be a great match for the Royal Rumble. Oh, man. Sir, I would love it. And, I mean, I, what I would like to see, booking-wise is to have the the Rock actually lose at the Royal Rumble the actual match and then insert himself into the Rumble and then win that and then have him fight at the at the uh you know at WrestleMania this year sir which we will be at of course. Yeah, definitely. Um other things from Monday Night Raw 1000, did you um did you what did you think about the whole like Triple H with Brock and then Stephanie coming out? I mean, I think that they just needed to put Stephanie on TV so they inserted her into the whole storyline with the kids and everything, but um, you know, Brock Lesnar cannot go into SummerSlam and lose a match to Triple H. That's the bottom line. Alright, bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. And by the way, where the hell was Stone Cold on there? Explain to me how Stone Cold Steve Austin doesn't show up. I heard that there's some bad blood and stuff between him, Justin LeBars and reporting, something to that effect. Uh, Austin said he got he got knee surgery, but yet at the same time he's also filming a movie. How is it possible that you have knee surgery two weeks before the 1,000th episode of Raw when you were right. such a huge part in the success of it? To me, there's got to be something. There has to be bad. No way possible that Steve Austin did, showed up, did not show up at Raw, and there wasn't something deeper behind it, sir. No way. You're right. I mean, there's definitely some bad blood, like you said, because they're not even like promoing his show anymore. They're promoting Sean's show more. Right, right, which is stupid to me, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but getting back to Brock, sir, there is no chance that Brock can lose this match. To me, Brock has to destroy Triple H to the point where he gets unconscious, knocked out, stretchered off, and you don't see Triple H on camera against the WrestleMania or the Rumble, whatever the case is. Brock has to go back to being a killing machine. I thought that they totally castrated him when he lost to Cena. We both threw this out there. It was a bad idea, bad move, killing Cena and then losing to him with one move. Awful. And if he loses to Triple H, they may as well just, you know, release him the next day, sir. You're right about that. Um, coming out of, uh, what else about Raw 1000? Well, we had a new IC champion. Not too thrilled about that, but... <laughs> Mizzenator? <clears throat> Mizzenator. Yeah, it's um, good. Uh, great stuff there from the man. Different haircut, by the way. Yeah. Um, I think The Miz would be better on SmackDown, to be honest with you. Well, I mean, we, we've both talked about the whole brand extension. I mean, that, that's a flop. It's gone. I don't, even, I don't even see the point of talking about the whole brand extension thing anymore. But, you know, he's an IC champ, which is good. Uh, and it made it important to have him, you know, defend it on Raw 1000, and, you know, Christian defending it and losing it. So I thought that was kind of cool. How how are you loving the fact that um, you were right yet again? This is the second thing you were right about, too. You said when Chris Jericho would come back for the, the second or third time, he'd come back as a face, and you're just loving the fact that Chris Jericho's a face now. Oh, of course. I, I do love it, although I am reading that he's going to be gone from the WWE very soon. Uh, oh, but boy. then again, I've been, reading that. <laughs> I've been reading that for months. 
So I'm not even sure about that. And so I, I gotta just mention this. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to the fans, and I'm simultaneously tweeting like five different people on Twitter about the comments that I made earlier about the Mets fans. So I just kind of had to throw that out there again. I, I love the fan interaction. Got to get these ladies to call into the show because then it would be pu- truly p- PG and pure gold. But, um, you know, looking back on, on the whole thing, sir, you know, I agree. There's just so much when you look at Roll 1000 and what's happened and what's going on. I mean, th- th- there's definitely some interesting ways where this whole thing could go, sir. Um, any thoughts on the whole uh, Daniel Bryan AJ Wedding and of course that that match on Monday um, that that we just saw the whole uh, street fight. I mean, if you're telling me that this is going to lead to a, a Daniel Bryan uh, celebrity wrestling match with with Martin Sheen, I'm uh, I'm totally not. I'm, I'm not sold on <laughs> wait, that. Wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> Who are you talking? Oh, Charlie Did you Sheen. Say Martin Sheen. <laughs> Yeah, Martin Sheen. Oh, are you I talking about Emilio Estevez? Are we talking about <laughs> Emilio Estevez or Charlie Sheen or Martin Sheen? <laughs> Whatever. Um, basically. <laughs> That's the bottom line. Um, but yeah, yeah right I mean, about that, Daniel Bryan does not to, does not need to be feuding with with Charlie Sheen. I I, I don't know what to do. Martin Sheen, sir. How good Sheen. is he though? Uh, how good? Is, let's look at him, sir. His overall body of work. How good is Daniel Bryan, considering all the things he's been through in the WWE? It's truly amazing. I mean, he came out of what the um, the whole training. What's that program that was called? The next NXT. Next. Speaking of next, there's a. Is it true that there's a title now? The next title. Yes, there's an NXT title. Seth Rollins holds it. Formerly Tyler Black. It, it's a ridiculous looking belt. <laughs> it's a huge X. It's literally like a like a, a terrible ripoff of the TNA X Division title because there's an, a small N and a huge X which makes up the majority of the belt and then a little T on the side. It, sir, it looks terrible. It's all gold. It looks awful. But congratulations to uh, Seth Rollins for holding it because that is a bit quote unquote prestigious to be the first one. And you know, I read somewhere online that the WWE has this whole thing with uh, <laughs> with NXT not being on the not being on TV so they can build a bigger brand. That doesn't make sense to me. Wouldn't you want people to see your show on TV? Like, why is it not on some network? Why is it on WWE.com? I mean, they've got some good, exciting wrestling. I, I just don't get it, sir. Yeah, I mean, it's a good segue, though. You you mentioned uh, the NXT uh, being like an X Division title, and, we, you know, over the last couple of weeks, we've been so busy, we, we didn't even get to mention the fact that uh, TNA, on the TNA side, the wrestling side, that we have a new world heavyweight champion with Austin Aries, and I think that the guy has great potential. I didn't know if that was a great time for him to take the strap off of Bobby Roode because I thought that Bobby Roode was a great champion. It would have been great to have him lose it at their, their quote-unquote WrestleMania, you know, Bound for Glory series, uh, all that stuff. But um, Austin Aries is your new world heavyweight champion right now. And um, I, I guess like the other... Austin Aries, sir. Yeah. I, I think he's got talent, but I, I don't know about you. I, don't, I didn't like the title switch. I wanted to see Bobby Roode hold it longer. I agree with you. I, I did, too. I thought that he would, he would hold it till at least uh, Bound for Glory and then potentially drop it. The one thing I want to ask you is because, like, they're trying this whole NWO thing again. What's this aces and eights? You know, I, sir, I don't know, man. I read online, and if this is true, then TNA, you know, who seems to be on a roll, the Aries and all this stuff, fan, you know, positive for the fans, 
sir, I read that they're going to get guys like Luke Gallows and all these other former WWE guys who, not to knock them or anything, but come on, these are not legit main event guys. These guys are going to be revealed to be this group and possibly Jeff Jarrett, the, the mastermind behind them. Like, seriously? Who cares? A bunch of guys that TNA fans don't even know that the WWE fans barely know. Why would they pick the the, the mid-card, bottom-of-the-barrel guys? Why not pick guys that people actually care about? Or, you know, your own TNA guys. It just... It's another example of TNA just spitting the bed and doing a bad job, sir. Yep. So, sir, 10.35, I think we've devoted enough time to both wrestling and the Mets. I think we take one more time out with maybe a Lauren Lester bite to introduce the movie that we've been, like, I've been waiting for for years, and it's finally been here for the last couple of weeks. Unfortunately, with the Colorado shooting, it's been, you know, a little negative. Uh, sales are down, not as much as they thought the sales would be. But I think we come back, we do a little round robin, we talk about what we would do at Pure Gold to improve The Dark Knight Rises and make it the movie that it should have been, and it wasn't. Instead of the movie that it was, yes. And you know what we still have to get to, sir? we got to get to the Fantasy Phenom competition. We may have a special guest joining us, sir. Um, but let's, uh, let's take a time out as you so eloquently put it, sir. Hi, this is Lauren Lester, and you are listening to Pure Gold. This is Dick Grayson, better known as Robin, or Nightwing. And when I'm not fighting crime with or without Batman in Gotham City, I'm listening to Pure Gold. (laughs) I gotta say, how great is that soundbite? And I gotta give a special shout-out to Lauren Lester, and I'll do it every time Batman ever comes out. This guy sent us sound bites before he even came on our program. That's how on point he was. He was like, you know what, I'm gonna send you, I'm gonna do you guys a favor because we asked him for it, of course. And he sent us sound bites. So how amazing is that? I think what's gonna be more amazing is that our fans, if you visit our website eventually, we're working on this, I believe we are. We're gonna put some of those sound bites on our on our website where you could just click and listen to as many as you want, the ones that we pick. Yeah, there's rumors about that. Um, not sure how, how true that is, but there's definitely some rumors. <laughs> there's, there's been some rumblings that that might happen, but uh, I, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. But, um, yeah, some great stuff there from Lauren Lester, sir. I know we're waiting for our, our other esteemed colleague to call in, sir. Uh, oh, wait, no, we're not, because he's here. Folks, we are joined once again by the incomparable, the one and only, the man the myth. Joining us this evening, Hans, how you doing, sir? I'm doing good, and yourselves? Oh, doing wonderful, sir. Fabulous. <laughs> All right, sir. Wrong superhero. Cut the music. My Cut bad. the crap. <laughs> um, All right, so Hans. We have the round table's <laughs> yeah. <was> complete. <laughs> we talked about this earlier, sir, off the air. Sir, Joe, you need to run this, run the ship. What are we doing first in this discussion? Well, let's just face it. I'm I'm back in studio and I can actually talk and not worry about like people watching me as I talk while I'm on vacation. We're going to be talking about the the biggest movie of the <laughs> year, and I'm not talking what are you about I'm talking not talking about I'm not talking about the Avengers. I'm talking about The Dark Knight Rises. This was to me again a good movie. It could be better. And tonight on Pure Gold, we're going to discuss as a team to you, the audience, five things that we would have done to this movie to make it the all-time greatest movie. That would even beat the Dark Knight. So, with that said, I'm going to start with <laughs> me. 
and to say that the one thing, the one thing that <laughs> I, I would mute mic, guys. Let's mute it. <laughs> let's not mute my mic. The one thing that I want to make a change with this movie is the fact that um, I just I just felt that. Wait, 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 wait. The one God. thing I didn't we discuss five things? You're only going to give us one. Get, get somebody cut his mic, please. Get this guy <laughs> off the air. I didn't think we'd do 15 different things. All right, tell me one thing, DJ or Hans, that you would have done to change this movie to make it better. Wait, 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 wait. Time out. No, sir, you started it. How about you tell us one thing that you would have done differently? Because you're you're just here slopping it up. Give it to us straight, sir. We said five things. Let's stick to five. At least start with one. What would be? What would you have made different about this movie? I mean, some of them may overlap. So, JB, go. The, to me, that there was no established relationship between. John Blake and Bruce Wayne, and the fact that Bruce Wayne was, I mean, that John Blake found out that Bruce Wayne was Batman just out of um, one or two conversations and remembering some childhood memory of his and knowing that that's Batman. To me, that made no sense. I didn't like the fact that, and again, he didn't, he didn't, he passed the mantle to somebody that he just talked to for only a couple times and made him to be either Robin or Batman after Bruce Wayne decided not to be Batman anymore. To me, that was just a, a, a bad plot line. I totally agree with that, sir. Uh, what what else would you have changed? Uh, what else would I have changed? Well, um, it's, it seems to me that the movie just lacked, um, you know, it, it had that romantic finish that I liked, but, you know, if you want to really stick to the, the true Batman version, um and you've said it before, and Hans has said it too, is the fact that Batman is not the mask. Batman is the actual person, and Bruce Wayne has become the mask. It seems like Nolan decided to make Batman the mask and Bruce Wayne the actual character, and he decided to put Batman into, you know, ride Batman into the sunset and decide that this was not going to be Batman anymore. He, you know, he got, he's gotten old, he's gotten rusty or whatever. Um, that's another thing I guess you, you need to change if you're going to stick to the true Batman legacy. Totally agree with that, sir. What else? Holy crap. I have to go again? Yeah, you got to go. You know what? You're useless. Hans, give us <laughs> give us five things. Since Joe totally forgot the conversation that we had, sir, give us five things that you would have changed. He mentioned John Blake. And, Joe, I wasn't even paying attention. What what, what was the other thing you said? Oh, the mask. That's right. The, the mask and the, the, the all that crap. Nonsense. Hans, give us a couple of things you would have changed. First thing I would change is the movie coming out because then I would not have to deal with JB harassing me with messages about <laughs> Batman. That that would be the first thing I would change. Wait, right for, folks, for those of you for those of you who don't know what Hans is referring to, Joe literally on AIM will sit there and send Hans nothing but Batman quotes from the film. He's so sick and demented. He's already seen it multiple times and this guy just sits there and quotes it. it, it it's it's to the point where it's disturbing. But uh Aside from that, the whole premise of what we're talking about, folks, is the movie as is, what would we have changed? Meaning, you can't say, let's make a fourth movie or a fifth movie. It's it's the movie that it is. It came out. It was done. But what would you have done differently, Hans, in the context I of the film, other than, other than not talking to Joe? Change the director and change the script. Okay. <laughs> All right. No, <laughs> yeah, I, no, no seriously. You can't, you can't do that. I, Stop I being a bad girl. Uh, I agree with Joe about the John Blake nonsense. That, um... That kind of killed it for me, only because giving up the mantle, uh, giving it up to a stranger is ridiculous. It is 
not Batman at all. Uh, the second thing I would change would be the ending. Joe, you're a little girl who likes to see romantic movies, <laughs> and you, you love it well, that Titanic he rode into the movie, sunset folks. with Selena. That's not Batman. That ending was horrible. He should stay as Batman, suffering for the rest of his life, like Batman does in the comics. It's, that's, that's quite an angry. Uh, that's quite an angry one. Um, you know, and the funny thing about that is that I I agree with both of you. If this were just a film, then I I think that the ending would have been great and it would have been perfect. But since this is a Batman movie, I agree with Hans that you had to end it in a different way. Batman can't have the happy ending. It, it shows to me that Christopher Nolan, although he did an amazing job with the first two films, at the end of it, really did not understand who Batman was and what Batman was all about. Because like Joe mentioned, of course, coming from me originally, Bruce Wayne is the mask, Batman is the real person, so Nolan got that backwards, and, you know, the three of us agree on that. What else, sir? It it seems like Nolan had the right idea. He, it seemed like all the way up to an hour before the third film ended, he knew what Batman was about, and then just threw it all in the trash, because throughout the whole series, he made Bruce, uh, Person over, ob, yeah, obsessive over being Batman. That he's the only one that could save the city. Even when he confronted, uh, or when he came back and he was talking to uh, Catwoman, saying how he hasn't given them enough. Everything. And then at the yeah, yeah, at the very end, he's like, eh, go ahead, take it. So I don't understand what Nolan did. I agree with that. I don't understand what he was thinking in that either. And to me personally. And again, this is us here. We're cynical, but I don't see how any moviegoer can look at the film objectively and think that um, Batman giving up his mantle to somebody he literally just met and doesn't even know who the guy is really, because he spent the th- three of the months that he knew him out of like the four months, you know, away in a, in a prison somewhere. He just got a good feeling about this dude he's never met who figured out he's Batman, and then all of a sudden, yeah, here you take all, all my stuff. I thought that was I agree completely. I thought that was terrible, and I thought it just it just didn't make sense to me. It, it just totally, totally, totally did not make sense. What else, sir? Um, let's see what else. The the Batwing. I know this is something minor, but it's the Batwing, and it didn't resemble a bat. It resembled oh, nothing <laughs> uh, along the lines of of what we've seen. I mean. We talked about this earlier, the tumbler rolling around. That would be like a small version of a tank rolling around the streets of New York. Yes, it kind of makes sense. He's got all these ex-military gadgets that the military didn't want, the government didn't want, so he takes them, he creates them into his own uh, vehicles and whatnot, but it it doesn't even make sense that he's running... uh, driving around in, in a light-armored vehicle in the streets of New York. Now, and, and I know you told me, since you were in the Marines, you told me that you've been in light-armored vehicles and that wouldn't work in, in what essentially is New York City. I think, I mean, I, I guess that's a good point, but is, is that really that important compared to, let's, let's talk about another aspect of this movie that to to us just really ruined it, the fact that, Bane's character and his whole storyline was then transferred over to Talia 
um, to me that that diminished the whole Bane character from the uh, you know or, from or Dan. Natalia as you and Anna were saying or Natalia <laughs> Hans any thoughts on that well yeah you know like I said it's a minute thing but you're completely right the the whole Bane situation uh, his story being thrown out the window it why have him in the movie. They could have just put anybody in that spot. It didn't have to be Bane. For, yeah, for they what no one did at that. When they took that away. It it could have been any any street thug, any side character. It didn't have to be a big name villain. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh what else, sir? Me or J B. You. The fight scenes. I mean they weren't long enough, in the right? comic book. You know, everybody talks about how the fight scenes were so epic. They really weren't. It was all one-sided, and it wasn't even good. It wasn't... Batman was just... like He seemed like a street fighter. And that, yeah. that isn't what Batman is. He just got angry and went at him, and Bane kind of just threw him around. It wasn't an epic fight that, that I was hoping for. I mean, it was well, good, I, like... Yeah. Go no, I said... Um, I, I talked about this off the air, and i got to throw this out there. The whole issue that I had, the, the reason that I had a problem with them not following the comic, is because the comic made more sense. When they released the villains and Batman was away in the prison or whatever, it didn't, it didn't even go. What they should have done, they should have done the beginning of the film. Bane releases all the villains, just like in the comics. Batman ha- literally has to come out of retirement because he needs to protect the city with everything going on. He decides, you know what? The city needs me right now. I have to come out. Bam. Batman comes out of retirement after a couple of years. Again, the eight-year gap being a, totally ridiculous. No way that that should have ever happened. It didn't even make sense in the context of the story. Uh, but reduce the, reduce the gap to a couple of years. Then he comes back because all the villains from Blackgate Prison are released. Bam. Run him ragged. And then Bane breaks him in the same spot or, or in the mansion or under the or in the cave or whatever the case is. So then Batman is totally tired and totally, you know, ultimately useless, and it, it makes sense for him to be broken. Batman coming totally out of retirement, out of left field, and then, oh, he's broken? You know, no cartilage? We talked about this last week, but that to me made no sense. I just have to throw that out there, sir. Mr. It, Mr. it really doesn't, from not even a medical point, point of view, because after, like I said, after a year, maybe a year and a half tops of him being Superman in movie time, it doesn't you mean make sense Batman? that... Who the hell? As Batman, were we talking yeah. about Superman? We're talking about Clark Kent. No, as Batman in uh, in <laughs> movie time, he was Batman for a year, year and a half between the first two films, and he has no cartilage. <laughs> oh my god! And he has Sorry. all these scars on his body. It didn't make sense. I agree with that. He was so broken down after being Batman for like three weeks. I mean, come on. That 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 to me was definitely was definitely a bit much. Um, and like I said, my biggest issue was the timing of it. If they had fixed the timing and they had switched around the, the whole gate thing, the black gate thing and the prisoners, to me it would have made sense and it would have totally changed the film and would have changed a huge part of my opinion on it. I mean, would you guys agree with that? I would agree with that. I, I mean, uh, let's talk, also talk about the relationship between Alfred and, and Bruce. I mean, that to me seemed like a, a more of a negative relationship uh, and you, you, you want these two guys to be, like, tighter than ever to close out the series. Um, and it seemed like they were more distant than ever. 
Yeah, I agree. I hate the fact that Alfred Hans. I know you mentioned it was epic with the stuff that he, you know, his couple of scenes, but he was only in the movie for like five minutes. Come on, seriously, you get Michael Caine, one of the greatest actors of all time, and one of the greatest characters ever that he's ever portrayed, and you get you put the guy on screen for five minutes. Come on, and then for the vast majority of it, he's blubbering like an old fool. Come on. <laughs> like as I liked it. I mean, yeah, I would have loved to see five more minutes? Alfred. Five yes. minutes. That was okay in a seven-hour movie. You have Alfred on screen for five minutes. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Why are you getting mad at me? I didn't write the stupid movie. <laughs> yeah, but you're the problem. All right, Hans. What else would you have changed? And you, you haven't you haven't touched on you haven't really spoken too much on the John Blake issue. So I, you may as well throw that out there, sir. How would well, you yeah, have fixed John that? John Blake. Because? I have the biggest issue with him. I have a big issue with him being called John Blake or Robin John Blake. That doesn't even sound right. doesn't even sound like a real name. It, it's so ridiculous. Who would name their kid Robin John Blake? Maybe John Robin Blake. That would make more sense, but not Robin John Blake. His parents had to be on crack to name him that. And why couldn't he use Richard Grayson or Timothy Blake and then, you know, Change it around, something. Don't just throw in Robin for the sake of throwing it in to please everybody the last five minutes after you screwed the whole movie up. Like, that's <laughs> going to make up for it. I do Stupid. agree with that. I thought the idea of John Blake, Robin John Blake, made no sense. Um, you, you, you know what? You didn't even need the mainstream fan to know, Robin, oh my gosh, that's Robin. All you needed was the comic nerds, the people to say... All right, you, uh, my name is John Blake, but you can call me by my real. Uh, you can call me Richard. Bam, it's problem solved. Or you know Timothy or Jason or one of the names, because ultimately that character was like Timothy Drake, and you could have called him Timothy. Anything but Robin. My name is Robin. Are you kidding me? That, I mean, that to me was horrible. And I actually liked his character, but again. How is this guy supposed to be Batman when he has no training at all and Batman is off in, like, Paris or London or wherever he went? Are you kidding me? Batman trained with the League of Shadows for all this time, trained in the martial arts to become Batman, but this guy, who really didn't fight the whole film, somehow he's okay to become Batman? To me, I thought that was ridiculous. That that whole... I, and I like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I like the whole... His character. But I thought that was ridiculous. I thought the whole idea of it was totally ridiculous. It really it was. was. I, I mean, he, like you said, he's a good actor. I could see him in the role as Nightwing, or a young or older version of Robin. But what they did to him, his character, it was ridiculous. It made no sense. I totally agree on that. Um, anything else, sir? Is there anything else you would have changed? Wayne going broke. Ridiculous point. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Joe, uh, what do you think about that? But they told you why he went broke. I don't understand why you're so hung up on it. Yeah, but he's, he's Bruce Wayne. But they, he's not they supposed to be broke. That. So you're telling me I assumed that the reason why Bane went into the stock exchange and got the fingerprint of Bruce Wayne and then just, like, sold all his stocks and, and like, made bad investments, that's not the reason why Bruce Wayne went bankrupt? It, you Like you just said, you assumed it. They didn't say, this is what we're doing and this is why he's going broke. But why did they go into the stock market? Why, what, what was the point of going into there and get that virus downloaded? What, what was Bing doing with that virus that he was hoping to download? I'm confused now. 
I have no idea because Bane's part in the whole movie got blown to pieces when we found out that he wasn't the boy that escaped from the hole in hell. David. Yeah, I, I, I'm not too sure about the whole Bane thing. I mean, I thought it was just to kind of mess with Bruce and to force his... Really, the whole purpose, if you think about it, was to force Bruce's hand in giving control of his company over to Talia. But the fact that there was no backup plan, the fact that... Because that's ultimately why he did it. The fact that there was no sort of backup plan whatsoever and Bruce ended up broke, to me, was horrible. Bruce Wayne is not broke. He's filthy rich. I mean, it didn't even make sense. He's, he leaves this guy his equipment. He can't make new equipment because he's broke. And the company's bankrupt. Like, it, it, it didn't make sense. And wasn't Lucius Fox on the board? Yeah, he was on the board. But uh, I f- forget for whatever reason. I guess because Lucius was 150 years old. Um, th- that's the whole reason they did that where, you know, Talia or Natalia took over instead of Lucius, a.k.a. Lucius Fox. <laughs> right. I mean, you know what's funny? I, mean, I heard this today, and I want to mention to you guys. I think the reason why Dark Knight was so successful, um, not only because of the great acting of Heath Ledger, but they always say that the sequel of a movie, of a trilogy or whatever, is the fact that it doesn't have to worry about introducing the characters like a a first movie, and it doesn't have to wrap up anything like a third movie or whatever, a a series-ending movie. So the second movie has an advantage on on all sides. It could just be all about a great storyline, great content, and it doesn't have to worry about wrapping up things, and it doesn't have to worry about introducing things. Do you agree? You're, no. Uh, yeah, it does make it easier, but come on, The Dark Knight was the better film. Overall, the better villain, everything, every part of The Dark Knight was better. I, I mean, I, I know if answer buts about it, it was a better film. I, I don't think we're disputing that. I'm just saying that it had the advantage of being the second movie. Can Do you think that The Dark Knight would be a good wrap-up movie? Hans, you want to feel that one? The, the second one would have been, if he would have stopped there, it would have been good enough. Yeah. I think it it would have been good enough because it didn't feel rushed like the third one did. He he went through so many stories and tried to squeeze this whole movie into three hours or two hours and 45 minutes, and every storyline just felt so rushed. Like he was just just dying to get it done and over with. He, It seems like he put no thought process into this movie. Or if he did, he was high the whole time while he wrote it. <laughs> that, that's very possible. And I want to give a special shout-out to Maria, who I'm actually tweeting with right now, and she's pretty much going nuts on, on all of us. I, I know she loved... She, uh, she, she did agree, though, uh, I have to say, that she hated the whole My Name is Robin crap, as she likes to put it. Uh, I have her listening to our, our last show right now, and she said that I think she agrees with Joe being on the money in certain aspects, but uh, she agrees with Hans and I that the whole My Name is Robin thing is horrible, so I think a special shout-out to her. Uh, sorry, Mr. Hans, you were saying? I don't even know what I was saying. I'm sorry. You yeah. were talking about uh, Nolan being high? Oh, yeah. But uh, to answer your, your question, Joe, yeah, The Dark Knight, if he would have stopped there, just two parts, it would have been great. Batman going off into the night, being who he needs to be, not being the hero that the people want him to be. He is Batman, and and that would have been great, except for the fact that they killed Two-Face. I hate when they kill characters off. Yeah, Dave, you agree? You know what? I think that it's either – this is my opinion on it. Either you end the movie at part two 
or you you do a fourth part. There, there's a third movie. The way that it ended, not good. Not a good idea. They what Han said is but true. To, and to make a about fourth it part now, it, it's dumb. You can't now. It wouldn't make any sense. You can't now. No, but I'm saying a fourth part that ties into what he did for those eight years, like we said, the whole the whole prequel and the whole in between two and four, uh, two and three, because the, again, the eight year guy makes no sense. But if if he Fletcher hadn't gone and killed himself, unfortunately, um, it would have made more sense to end the series with the Joker. That, like you said, the symbol, uh, the whole symbolism of it, that would have been perfect. Because yeah, he becomes what the city needs him to be, and he's a fugitive, which Batman is. That's perfect. But this. Batman, they have a Batman shrine in the middle of the town, and John Blake, a.k.a. Robin, a.k.a. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> horrible. To me, you know, just, just horrible. And ending the series like this, for me as a fan, leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, And you know what? It, I, I want to mention something. Uh, please do. That you, you touched on. The Joker. The uh, Nolan was so dead set against having any other Batman villain that resembled the the Joker, and yeah. he portrayed Joker as this anarchist in in the Dark Knight. And what was Bane? Bane was doing An the anarchist. exact same thing. An anarchist. And so, so was and so was uh, Ra's al Ghul. Yeah. Or Ra's al Ghul. So They're all anarchists. Just because all his villains were were the same type of villain. They were. Regular people who just wanted to uh, to overthrow the government or to cause chaos. So I don't understand why he couldn't do that with the Riddler. Why he couldn't pick the Penguin or any other one of his his many villains. I, I think you're right. The, I think to end the series though. Yeah, I just think to end the series though, you need somebody to go uh, physical, like toe to toe with Batman. And I thought Bane had the intelligence and he also had the physical prowess. Like Joker didn't have that. Yeah, Razor Gould did in the first movie, but Bane was superior. You didn't really know if Batman was actually going to beat Bane, and I thought that they could have really but took that and made Bane. that. What happened? He didn't beat Bane. Catwoman shot him across the room, so he yeah. never really beat Bane. He, you know what's Bane funny? Bane whooped them all over the place, and that was right. it. You know what's funny so, is the fact that the fact that Catwoman. As much as you guys loved her in, in this movie, but she wasn't even needed to be in this movie, to be honest with you. They didn't need to have Catwoman in this movie. Well, if they would have left her out and Talia would have been the only lead in the movie, yeah. that would have, you might as well have gotten uh, Katie Holmes to come back. Oh, boy. Catwoman oh, yeah. was uh, a it, strong it, it, female lead, and that is what a Batman movie needs. It needs a strong female lead. I agree with that. Now, I mentioned this to Joe, uh, you know, as we, as we wrap up this, this part of the show, um, as we're heading toward the, the closeout here. Um, I think that the next the next director has to go 180 degrees opposite of what Christopher Nolan did. My take, if I was in charge, I would make a, another whole series of Batman movies, make it a trilogy again, start with Bruce as, as a young guy, but he's Batman and he's like 21. Then in that movie, you introduce Dick Grayson, who's maybe 12 or 13, to make him a little bit older, to make him a little more plausible, instead of being like 7 or 8, because when he's orphaned, he's like an 8-year-old. Um, so then he, Dick you know, comes into his life, Richard Grayson, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you can even introduce Selena Kyle in this film. You can introduce Barbara Gordon and make it in a way where all these characters will be in the, the length of the three films. They all have an established relationship. So come part three, come the end of it, you, you've grown to love Dick Grayson. You've grown to love 
all these characters and have a relationship with Bruce, again, Alfred, et cetera, et cetera. Then you have uh, Selena become Catwoman in Part 2. You have Dick become Robin at the end of Part 1, turning into Part 2, have a whole big thing at the end. So by the end of the, the second film, the beginning of the third film, you know, you, you're jumping maybe three years, maybe five years or whatever in between. So by the time the third movie comes around, it you know, um, Dick Grayson is about 21, and he becomes Nightwing, and Barbara becomes Batgirl. You know, you could have the Riddler start it off. You could have Clayface end it with Killer Croc. Used villains that nobody has used, and this is where I kind of want your opinion, guys, because I don't think you can do the Joker again. I don't think you can do Bane again. I don't think you can do these same villains. I think you gotta you gotta go different, and you gotta go com more comic book, less realism. What do you guys think, Joe? Let's start off with you. I think if you want to make the most impact, um, I don't know if you're going to go with the villains like you just mentioned because the casual fan doesn't really know those people that you just mentioned. Uh, you might want to go with the Riddler or and the Penguin because those are two uh, dark characters that they people could still associate with. You're right. You shouldn't go back to Bane and you shouldn't go back to Joker because nobody's going to top what Heath Ledger did. And I just don't know if anybody would ever get Bane right. Um, you know, no one couldn't get Bane right. Um, I don't know who else is ready to direct the next Batman series. So um, until that, until they name a new director for this new reboot, which hopefully will happen sooner than later, um, I just don't know if you could go with those type of. I like your idea of going 180 degrees, totally different from Nolan's version, but using people like the Riddler and Penguin might be a better idea than like people like you just named. Hans, you're going to tell me. The average fan knew who the Scarecrow was. Scarecrow, he he's a good villain, but he's not he's not the Joker. He's not Bane that that we've all seen. He's not Two Face. Scarecrow, for the most part, is an obscure, not mega obscure villain, but he isn't one of the popular ones. When you think of Batman, you think of the Joker. You think of Two Face. You think of the Riddler. You think of the characters that, that have been in the movies before, so I think Dave has it right on the money to use these other villains that haven't been introduced before. Because you, what are you doing introducing a new Joker, introducing another Bane? I mean, it would be great if they could introduce Bane and get it right the way the comics uh, does it and maybe break the Batman at the very end. That would be good, but I think Dave's got it right. Come up with these characters that, you know, are popular within the comic fans because people are going to go watch the movie regardless. And if you have a good story, it doesn't matter who the villain is. They're not there to see the villain. They're there to see Batman. And I think that's where the original series got it wrong, which is why Michael Keaton ultimately left, because he thought that he was not the center, focal point as a Batman film, and he was relegated to, like, second, third guy because of the villains. Now, the reason I said to go that route, Joe, is because you do the progression of Batman. Ultimately, by the time the film's over, Batman is, like, in his 30s, and Dick Grayson is old enough, again, to become Nightwing, to take over, so you can spin Batman off into a whole Nightwing franchise with Nightwing, with with Barbara, with no Bruce. Um and it's a way to transition the characters as opposed to what they did here where they just totally out of nowhere, John Blake, a.k.a. Robin, or Selena Kyle in the third film, no relationship with Bruce, but you're supposed to believe that he leaves this guy, all his stuff, and then he falls in love with this girl after knowing her for like two days. So that's why I think this is a better route. Of course, Commissioner Gordon, you introduce Harvey Bullock, who um, the fat, sloppy, jalopy cop in the first film was like a corrupt version of Harvey Bullock uh, from the comics. 
And you can go so many different routes, and you need to make it comic book oriented so that it ties into the JLA movie, the Justice League, which eventually they're going to do. So I think you have to go that way because you do the evolution of all these characters at the same time. Batman's the focal point, but he has this huge supporting cast, and that's the thing about Batman is he has the Bat family, as it were. I, I know you don't want to believe this, but there's something that tells me that Christopher Nolan talked to, to DC and they wanted to end it where it's like a passing of the torch. Like they, they love the fact that Levitt is now going to be the new Batman. I think he's going to actually be the new Batman in the, 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 what, the Justice League movie. No, they won't do that because they have to totally separate from the, uh, from the Christopher Nolan. So there's really no way they can do that. They have to make it different. Well, all right. So, since we we have a little bit of time, I just want we're, we've been very negative, and yet we we all love Batman. Was there anything one or two things that you really did like about the movie? Or you just think that this is a throwaway movie? We gave it decent grades. There's got to be something that we can hang our hat on and say that yes, no one got this right. Hans, you want you want to throw that out well, there? Well, like for me, um, like I told you, I love Alfred's parts. As minimal as they were, they were awesome. The few minutes that he had to shine, he shined the brightest that he has in all three movies. Uh, you felt bad. When he was crying, you wanted to cry along with him. You wanted to punch Bruce in the face for talking to him like that. I mean, you really felt for the guy during his, his parts. Uh, Selena, she was great as a female lead, and that's what directors need to look at. When they start casting female leads, they need to look at somebody like Selena Kyle's character, or even Emma Stone's uh, Gwen Stacy and Spider-Man. Those were great female leads. Yeah, she was great. And that's what these movies need, a great female lead. And up to the point where Bruce was high and gave up the mantle, when he was obsessive in the first half of the movie that he had to be Batman, he was doing detective work. That I love. I love that too, and I love the fact that this by far was was Christian to me Christian Bale's best performance as Bruce Wayne. This was it, hands down. He was the best Bruce Wayne out of the three films because they had so much about it. All right. I mean, uh, we we still think that uh, do we still after doing this roundtable still give it the grades that we gave it last week? Like I gave it a B minus. I think Hans gave it a C C minus, and Dave, you gave it what a B. Uh, B minus. I agree. I agree with you. I'd say B minus and you know C plus. In, in that in that range here. Oh, by the way, Maria's chiming in here. Just have to throw this out again. She she agrees with a lot of us. She says that uh, Anne was an excellent Catwoman. She liked the characters, and she said that Hans is right about the uh, in fact the obsession with Bruce Wayne uh, being Batman, and they tried to portray him as broken, etc., and doing it for the wrong reasons to pass it on to John Blake. So we see we have a logical. Uh, thinking Batman fan out there So I just kind of have to throw that out there to you guys Well I'm going again tomorrow night Are you really You're, <laughs> Are you serious Yeah I'm what taking my wife with you? Don't you have a life Don't you have a family Don't you have any friends What are you doing What is it the first you know, time you're going to see this film This will be the third time And you know what's the funny part Dave I told you what's before that? this movie came out Is that I was going to go see it At least four or five times Because I'm Really a Batman fan And I don't want to ever see it again Ever <laughs> You're I'm not going to buy the DVD? Blu-ray To snap it in half You know what's funny I think above all I think that this I think the three movies have been so greatly written And oh boy um, 
Uh, I think we might want to segue and, and go into a marriage retreat, if you will, sir. Who do we have yes, on the hotline? Uh, wait, what? Hans, listen, uh, don't hang up, sir, because we can definitely... We can definitely finish this out, but we have to get to our uh, guest this evening um, because, you know, she. We had a little a little faux pas as it were, but before we introduce her, I gotta I gotta throw this out here, uh, you know, for all the peeps out there. Hi, my name is Anna Zelensky, and I am producer and actress in the upcoming release of Marriage Retreat Special Edition. And make sure to tune in to Pure Gold, where you can hear great interviews wonderful insight, and the best talk radio around. Folks, that is right. We are joined by the one and only, the incomparable, Anna Zelinsky for the second time in about a month. Anna, <laughs> we've had some uh, all these crazy things going on, different scheduling and everything, uh, shows being switched around. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, oh, how are you doing this thank evening? Thank you. I'm good. I'm good. I'm so sorry. I was like, is it is it Thursday already? I mean, we I know we got messed up on Tuesday, and then I was like, oh crap! So thank you, thank you for your patience. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us, Anna. And of course, um, you know, last time we were on, we covered your career and all the things you've been up to. But the main reason we're having you on this evening is because uh, in a couple of weeks, your your film, which is awesome by the way, um, is going to be re-released special edition. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, um, Marriage Retreat Special Edition has, uh, uh, well, it's a, it's a great uh, film about uh, um, couples and, and dealing with issues, marital issues, but, you know, even single people can watch this movie and get a little something from it. Um, but the special edition is great because it's got extra features on it and, and um and, you know, it's coming out. Uh, we we didn't have a release last year in Walmart, so we're getting it this year, and and uh, possibly some VOD on Amazon and and um, back on Netflix. So we're really excited that it has another chance to get back out there. Um, but it's a great film with Victoria Jackson and Jeff Fahey, and um, it's a lot of it's lighthearted. There's a lot of uh, a lot of funny moments, and then uh, a lot of moments that may Shed a, you may shed a tear um, there. So, <laughs> did you shed a tear? I mean, were you crying when you were on set? <laughs> I was crying just because it was done. Because producing and acting in it, it was a lot of work. <laughs> to be honest, with I can you. imagine. Um, but yes, crying after it was done. So I was like, oh my gosh, we did it. We finished it. Was this your favorite so. movie to make, Anna? You know, it, it was my first. You know, as far as me having a hand in producing and, uh, you know, actually fundraising. So, yes, it'll always hold that place of being, you know, like, yeah, my favorite. It is kind of my baby. That's why I'm, you know, still wanting to to get my hands in there and, and really grassroots market, you know. That's why you guys, you know, coming on board is so nice for you to, to help because every little bit, you know, every little bit uh, counts when you when you do this when you don't have much of a marketing budget. So um, <laughs> it's been fun, though. You know, I mean, you get creative about how you connect with people and how you get people to see your film. So there's right. a lot of uh, beg, borrowing, and stealing at this level. <laughs> no, there is no begging. <laughs> Yeah, either us to, us to you, I think would be would be the, the appropriate way. Um, if you were if you were to uh, recommend this film, obviously to someone, what would you say is the one thing 
if you could sum it up, one thing that they would get out of it, or you, you know, you guys aimed for when you look at the overall uh, overarching theme, what is the someone watching this, like you said, single, married, divorced, in a relationship, whatever the case is, what are you going to get at a marriage retreat? Well, I, I think the main theme is um, about you know reconnecting. You know, there's three couples that are that are married. They go to this. Um, this retreat and they don't think anything's wrong. They actually go because they think they're going to have, you know, a nice little getaway with spas and massages and all this good stuff. But then it turns out um, this is a, a place where this Jeff Fahey and Victoria Jackson's characters are really um, serious about helping people with their marriages. So so when they, when they get there and they start really questioning them, they find out there's a lot wrong with, these relationships and I think there's a lot of that going on in relationships now whether you're married um, or in a relationship or you know um, so in a relationship so still single but not quite you know making you know making that step but when you don't talk and you don't communicate about things a lot of stuff gets built up and before you know it there's some happy there's unhappiness going on but no one's talking so this movie overall I hope you know, helps people uh, speak up and, and communicate, and then that all that all leads to positive things in relationships. And in, in, in this case, you know, hopefully reconnecting in your marriage or making a relationship be- better. Or as a single person who's never been in a relationship, go, wow, I don't want to do any of that, so I won't do any of that, and I'll try to, you know, try to try try to put my best foot forward and and and. Uh, Know you know know that you have to you have to communicate. That's like huge, huge in making a relationship work. Trust me. I did this movie with my own husband, so a lot of communicating going on through this this thing, this whole process. <laughs> Still trying, working on that. <laughs> now, Ed, did anybody has any couple or anybody single or whatever uh, come up to you and said that? I've watched your movie and it made a lot of sense and it's put a lot of perspective into my life and and I'm gonna you know follow some of the things that you know you've had mentioned in your movie. Yeah, actually, what's uh, you know I've 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 fallen in love with Facebook a little bit. I used to talk so much crap about it, like ah, this is just <laughs> a place for people to, you know, I don't know, not just 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 high school again. You know, I was one of those, but. Mark, you know, putting the film on, on, on Facebook and really um, posing questions and really talking about the film, getting the feedback we've gotten, just really just, you know, just put in perspective why I made the movie. And, yeah, we had a lot of those um, people, uh, and they still write in and, and, and tell us what great things, you know, how insightful it was for them. And, and so... When you hear those things, and or read those things rather, um, it makes you go, "Okay, all right, we're we're on the right track." Because in your head, you think it's one way, and you think you're connecting to people, but it's nothing like getting that feedback. So right. we've gotten a lot of that. Now your movie, right. the Marriage Retreat, comes out uh, in two weeks, uh, August fourteenth. Uh, correct. August fourteenth comes out. Um, and again, you know, it's the special edition. There's a there's the original marriage retreat. Um, there's no difference in the movies other than the the bonus features you get. And then we did a, a guide to it, uh, a marriage guide where, you know, you can um, really kind of break down some of the scenes and talk about 
how uh, everything each couple was affected and how they work through their issues. So that's a nice bonus that's on the website that that people can download. Um, so you know, being out in Walmart is a new is a new space for us. It's it's kind of been out in the Christian bookstores and and Netflix, but now bumping it up to a bigger medium like Walmart. I'm really excited. So you only get a limited time in there, so that's why I'm like, okay, go get the movie. <laughs> nice. um, well, that that is a great spot to be in in uh, Walmart because, of course, you know, a lot of Christians shop at Walmart, but everyone shops at Walmart for the most part. So if you're a Christian, you may end up there and say, oh, look, this uh, this movie from the Christian bookstore. I don't like to go to the Christian bookstore personally, and I, not to knock it, but sometimes mm-hmm. it's a, just a little bit more expensive than a regular store, and, and I get why it is that way. But if I'm at Walmart and I see a Christian film, which I happen to see all the time, I'm like, oh, let me check that out. It looks cool. Let me buy that. Um, and I'm sure that there's other people out there who are going to say, Marriage Retreat, is this like that movie Couples Retreat that came out with Vince Vaughn? So somebody may, like, mistakenly pick up Marriage Retreat and then end up with a nice little surprise because it is a, a really, you know, good – I loved it. I'm biased, of course. But uh, it, it is a really good film, and I thought there was so much to it. And, you know, again, actors and people that I've seen before, and um, I, I thought it was great personally. And the fact that, it, that it, like I said, it is coming out in Warren is such a wonderful thing. Um, but, Anna, is there anything else that you that you have going on, or is it like marriage retreat all the way? I mean, is that, is that what you're, you're pumping right now? Well, you know, that, like I said, that's my baby, so I definitely uh, keep her on my hip, and I'm always talking about it. But on the <laughs> other hip, I've got some other fun things uh going on in the way of, um, you know, I've had a few uh, uh, great commercials that I booked that are going to come out soon, um, uh, K Jewelers, and then one that I'm really excited about because we all love Carl's Jr., so their spots are always fun. So I finally got into one of those, so that's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that one. And, and um, you know, uh, in the audition process, there's a lot of things in the mix that are, almost there so in tv land and in film so keeping my fingers crossed there for for a pilot and a a web series that would be really great if i could get on so that's brewing so always constantly working on this end it never stops (laughs) um but but i am working on a couple other films for pure flicks um some period pieces that they're working on right now um that should be really cool um i don't know if i should say anything just yet but uh, those are <laughs> but, those are always cool because the period pieces you know to work on that work with production designers and build these great sets so i'm excited about that so that's something that i'm working on next month so yeah and whenever the time is right you come back on pure gold and definitely plug it whatever you need because we're definitely a big fan of yours love Aww. your work you guys are great, Aww. and I'm so glad we connected. You guys are awesome, and I'm <laughs> sorry about today. I'm like, You're yeah. like over there giggling like a schoolgirl. That's so cute. Oh, my gosh. I was like, no, I hope they don't think I'm, you know, with our getting our stuff crossed. I was like, I promise I didn't do this on purpose. I, I, I didn't know. No, um, I hope everything's good on y'all's end. 
Of course. Oh, of course, of course. Things are going, you know, things are going great. Joe and I were talking about, you know, the amount of listens, at the beginning of the show, about the amount of listens that we've gotten. And, uh, you know, for an internet radio show, we're doing quite well. And, we're, again, we're always thankful to have such wonderful guests on. And it's funny because, if I'm not mistaken, you're probably uh, the quickest repeat guest that we've ever had in the history of our show because you were on like three weeks ago, basically, and you're back on again. So, so that's pretty cool. And you know, with the movie coming out, of course, we had to, we definitely had to have you on. Uh, you know, we wanted to make sure that we promoted it because, again, like I own it personally, and I think it's a wonderful Marriage Retreat. is a wonderful film that people should check out, and you know, hopefully they, you know, they will check it out. But of course, having you on again doesn't hurt. You know, it's been a bit, been about a month, so. Having you on definitely does not hurt, and, uh, you know, we thank you so much for joining us, Anne, and, of course, we wish you much success in the future, and I'm sure we will have you on again to promote your next, like, 50 projects that are that are coming out soon. Oh, yeah, you know, both of us together, we'll, we'll get some, we're going to move, we're going places, we're going to talk about, remember when we were on <laughs> just the Internet? <laughs> and now, look at you, you're on national radio, <laughs> Well, you know, I don't know where you guys want to go, but you know, something like that. Of course, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll continue. I'll continue to bug you, but I, I appreciate you guys and your support. No, definitely. Thank you so much. And of course, that is where we want to go. Joe and I, our ultimate goal, we'd love to be on like Sirius Satellite Radio because our show is such a variety of everything that uh-huh. I don't think it would work on a regular terrestrial radio station unless they say, "Hey, here, do whatever you want." So that's yeah. our goal. And when okay. we do that, you know, when we make it there, I'll give you a call and say, Anna, hey, we need you to, to come on again. Uh, so definitely, <laughs> Anna, thank yeah. you so much. You're you're so kind. And, uh, and again, much much success to you and uh, the husband and everything else going oh, thank on. Thank you. you so much. Thank you, guys. We'll have a good rest of the show. You thank too. You. Take care. Well, <laughs> not a rest of the show, but have a good rest of the evening. <laughs> Bye, well, Anna. I got, I got a show going on here too. Okay. Bye. <laughs> <Take> care, <laughs> Bye. Bye. Folks, that was the one and only Anna Zelinsky, awesome, awesome, uh, you know, friend of the program. We Something with, with people named Anna. I don't know what it is about this show and Anna. <laughs> but, yeah. sir, um, that, that was definitely a good spot. Anna, she's about an hour late, but, you know, we had our, our faux pas on Tuesday where uh, we, we weren't – we had a miscommunication, and we were supposed to have the show Tuesday, and she was supposed to be on the show. So, you know, again, we're just thankful that she came on – she was able to come on at all, sir. Great spot. Um I just wanted to just wrap up real fast and let you know because I know that I saw Anna on the hotline. The whole the whole reason why I think I'm into this whole Dark Knight uh, Rises and just the series itself is because above all, sir, the the, the storylines um, were were written so the writing was so impeccable. I just thought that some of the lines in this movie and, and all three movies are just great, and that's why I bug uh, Hans once in a while. Um, you know, and I, I, I quote him some lines like, you know, I haven't given them everything, and then he pauses and he goes, not yet. You know, th- those things to me are, are what <laughs> yeah, makes them. Hey, tell me about how you, you creep him out with all these lines. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to admit, though, those lines, that uh, the writing has been just uh, extraordinary for these three movies. I, I agree. It was definitely good writing for the most part, some things I didn't agree with, but uh, for the most part I thought it was great, sir. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, I'll go watch it again because... I'm a Batman freak to these movies anyway. And, uh, you know, I might go watch it a fourth time with you uh, in IMAX. So. Oh, of course. Well, I would actually I would actually like to um, to see it again, sir. I would like, unlike Hans, I would like to see it again uh, one more time because IMAX, I've never seen a film, and this, this movie deserves to be seen in IMAX, sir. 
Yeah, I agree with you. So, um, you know, we, we should go watch it one time, and maybe that you're going to pick up some things that, you know, you didn't see the first time. I mean, it's easy to, to you know, talk about a movie if you only see it one time, and, you know, there might be some little details that you might have forgotten about, or you might hate the movie even more after watching it a second time, but who knows? But the, the fact yeah, that maybe, we're going to watch it... Maybe we don't know about Anna Zelinsky, maybe, uh, you know, in, uh, extra in the background. I mean, who knows? So there's so many things that, that are possible. Right. And, you know, um, I hate to, hate to end on a, on a sour note, sir, but um, I want to bring up the fact that it's been, what, two weeks since we auditioned for Fantasy Phenom 3? Has it been? No, has it been two weeks? I think three, right? Yeah, I, I think I think it's possible. It's been about three um, and we, we have to throw this out there, sir. We have to talk about the Fantasy Phenom competition. And actually, we have a special guest joining us this evening. Uh, I'm going to throw, throw her on because uh, I met her on Twitter, and she actually happened to be behind us, a little behind us in the line. So I wanted to just welcome uh, Laura on the show, who's calling us. Uh, you know, she's all the way in Baltimore now with some, some illegal activity she has going on that I can't mention well. on the air. But, Laura, thank you so much for joining us this evening. How are you? Hi, I'm doing good. How are you? Doing awesome. This is David here, Joe, Pure Gold. Now you and I talked off, you know, off the air on Twitter about the Fantasy Phenom thing. Uh, Joe just mentioned it's been about two weeks or so. What number were you again? You were in the 30s, right? Oh, I don't even remember. Yes, there was always something like that. Yeah, it's funny because you have a picture of yourself on Twitter holding the number, which is how the whole thing happened. But um, you know, Joe and I discussed this, and we need to get. Another opinion, I guess a third or fourth opinion from you. If you were to look at the contest, right, what did you think about it? I know that we talked and you said you weren't a fan of the setup, but what did you think about it overall, your experience on the, on the whole Fantasy Phenom process this year? Um, The whole process just seemed like something that was put together by a bunch of high school kids is kind of like a test to see what would happen. Like, it didn't seem that, like, that's how a legit – uh, radio company or, you know, whatever, would put on some, you know, a test like that. Like, it just seemed like it was put together last minute. Nobody that even worked there kind of knew what was going on. My partner and I asked somebody a question, and the guy's like, uh, I don't know, it's my first day. I was like, okay, awesome. So they really <laughs> care about what they're doing here tonight. And, uh, oh, of course, I don't know, of it, just, it, seemed, it seemed weird. It seemed kind of cold. It didn't seem that they really even... I don't know. I'm caring all that much. So it was really, well, it was awkward. It was, I guess it wasn't what I expected. Well, not for nothing, considering the fact that Joe and I, we didn't even hear about it on the radio until like a week beforehand. Um, I don't even think they had it planned out. Joe, I know you mentioned that, but uh, I, I honestly don't think they had this whole thing planned out. I think it just kind of came about, oh, wait, it's time for Fantasy Phenom, so let's do it again before the summer's over. Um, we mentioned this last year. Joe, Joe and I went on a rant about it, and we honestly thought that we did really good this year, and we thought we were going to make it to the second round, which, you know, whatever. I don't even know if they picked anybody. But um, the whole stand-up comedian process, we had an issue with it. Uh, give us your take on that. I mean, I don't like that because that's not – that's not like when if I was going to do a radio show, I don't just stand up there in front of everybody and, you know, that's not how it's done. And it, it, there was no – there. you know, I understand they have to see 100 people, you know, give or – not that night, definitely not. But there was No, definitely like, not. Yeah, but they didn't even, it was just like, what's your name, where are you from, okay, go. And, I don't know, to just stand up there and, I don't know, I, I, I didn't like that either. I didn't like the way they did it. 
Yeah, I think we've said it before, Laura, and, um, you know, if you're going to find out who the next fancy phenom is, that's what they call it, the next co- next uh, host uh, on-air personality, you need to have him sit down in front of a mic and practice either taking a caller or giving a topic, just like I think me and Dave did, but we did it in a stand-up routine, and people, uh, I, you know, the, the judges, Spitz, Cherney, and, and Al Hughes, um, People that you know, you, yeah, you would think that you know they'd give you some respect and actually watch you perform. It's only either a two-minute rant for an individual or a three-minute for uh, a group, a uh, two-man person uh, auditioning. So I, I just thought that they were pretty disrespectful. The fact that they weren't paying attention it seemed like they were disinterested. And and these are the guys that are judging you to get to the next round. I mean. Um, Greg Sussman, we had him on a couple of years ago um, after he won his uh, the first year, and you know I think he's decent. I don't I don't know if he was the best, but you know John Drzemski this year is uh, a little bit better than Sussman, and I thought that they were definitely looking for a two man group, Laura, um, because I you know why else add that stipulation if you're not looking for a two man pers- uh, you know talk show? So I I just thought that the whole process uh, is just uh, a sham. And uh, they they pick who they I I don't know if they if if they like or just you know Al, didn't DG didn't uh, Al Hughes say something like I know if somebody has it after thirty seconds or something? Well, Laura, yeah. actually, I think you mentioned to me. Oh, that, Laura said that. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say um, I tweeted him because I was like, wow, you looked really bored tonight. Like that's not a good sign or whatever. And he uh, he tweeted me back and he was just like, yeah, he's like. I've been doing this for a long... I've been producing shows for a long time. I can tell within the first 10 seconds, which I obviously don't agree with. And, yeah, they definitely were not paying attention throughout the course of the evening. They were barely looking at anybody. They were talking amongst themselves, ruffling around in their papers. Yeah, I was watching them the whole time. And then also what I don't like is I watched a ton of video from last year's contestants, like the first round, yeah, and the second round, and... What I like, I guess, about the second round is, like, they would ask questions and you were put on the spot. Like, to have us go up there and stand on stage, like, I know me and my partner practice our routine. So when we got up there, I'm sure it sounded rehearsed and there was nothing really, you know, probably not too much sparkle about it, and you know. But I don't know what else they expect. I don't know how they can look for anything else when that's kind of what you're setting people up to do. So. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the the criteria is, and to say within ten seconds, I was. I told Joe because we were number twelve on the. So we were at the at the beginning, and I was paying close attention. Joe was nervous, and I was paying close attention to to them each and every person. And I personally, not not you know whatever. Maybe one of them is listening now, but I thought all the guys who went in front of us were absolutely horrible. I thought every act that I heard, which is about ten or twelve of them, were terrible. Because uh, even afterwards, we came back a little bit later, and what we heard was awful. You couldn't hear the people. Uh, some of the some of them didn't. You couldn't understand anything they said. Uh, there was a, another duel in front of us that went, and we I, I couldn't hear a word, and I was ten, I was closer to them than the judges were. Um, but the, you know, Al was looking over at Spitz and Cherney, and he was joking around, and you know, you could tell for a fact that they weren't paying attention. I thought that they were sort of paying attention to us, but. For the most part, you could tell they weren't paying attention. And you know what? We we were online. We waited for a couple of hours. Like, at least give us the re- – yeah, okay, we're not famous. But at least give us the respect and say, hey, uh, all right, we're going to pay attention to you. And I know that sounds like sour grapes, but the truth of the matter is that, like Joe said, like we said, if you're going to put somebody on air – Live 
they're not going to be standing up. They're not going to be doing stand-up comedy. They're going to have topics to talk about. They're going to have callers calling in. They're going to be doing monologues, et cetera, et cetera. They're not going to be sitting there just yammering back and forth like we were forced to do. We did our typical show open, and, uh, you know, we did the three minutes, and we thought it was pretty good. But it seems like they had better things to do, and there wasn't a lot of people there. So when I, I think, again, I thought you were in the 30s, and I, I didn't see you online. I kept looking back and looking to see who was there, and it, di- it didn't seem like a lot of people at all. And we were there for a couple of hours. If they had 50 or 60, I'd be surprised. So the turnout wasn't that great. But I honestly thought that there was going to be some – I don't know what they're looking for, Laura and Joe. I honestly, I would love to know who made it because I heard, again, like you did, some of the people last year, and they were terrible. I thought they were absolutely terrible. Yastrzemski's not bad, but some of the other guys were horrible. I you think Yastrzemski, like, he's he's okay, sure. Um, I know part of me is speaking of jealousy, but there was <laughs> a couple of videos that were just terrible last year. There was one guy who ummed the whole way through it. And I can almost understand that because, you know, I do say that also a lot. But Woody, <laughs> um, his actual um, words in between weren't even good. And then all of a sudden I see him on the semifinal videos too, and I was like, no way. So I told my partner, and maybe this is the part where God is sending me a little message to ground myself, <laughs> but, you know, I told my partner it's in the bag. I was like, there's no way somebody like this makes it to the second round and we don't. But lo and behold, I... I guess that happens. And then what I have an issue with, too, and now I'm just turning into, like, angry female ranter, I (laughs) hate the fact that they did not contact you if you didn't make it. Because the only reason I know that anybody was even contacted was because I stalk Twitter. So, of course, I looked up Fantasy Phenom and somebody (laughs) tweeted, like, hey, I made it to the second round. And I was like, you know what, that's really cowardly of them. Like, you can't even shoot these people an email to say, hey, like, we're going to go in a different direction. Like, okay. Of course Whatever. not. And you know, the funny thing is Joe wrote uh, Mark Chernoff an email, and Chernoff responded to the email, and you can tell that he didn't even read it because he responded in a way where he ignored Joe's questions and then just randomly was like, yeah, um, we're, we're deciding it. <laughs> we're deciding it, guys. you got to come out to the audition. Joe told you in the first sentence we were just at the audition. Mark, we just right. wanted to thank you. And he's like, yeah, you got to come out to the auditions because that's how we're deciding it. You know, last year when we were online at, at Menlo Park, um, there was a guy, Patty from Brick. He was great. In person, he was awesome. I thought this guy's got it in the bag. He's definitely going on. And he ended up being one of the finalists, and he made it to the very end. Hated, hated Mike Francesa's guts, which is pretty funny because he's kissing <laughs> Mike's fanny at the end at Bar A. But um, I digress. <laughs> the the funny thing about him is that when he lost, they put him on, and they gave him a spot on the uh, WFA, and I guess they gave all the, the the last guys who made it a spot. And I felt bad because I had met him. He did so terrible the whole. And I even told my wife, and she was surprised because she heard Patty. The three of us and Joe, you'll agree, we thought he was great. We thought he did an amazing job with his thing, and he he was a finalist the year before. So. Um, and hopefully he didn't try out this year because, uh, you know, let's give it up after a couple of tries. But he, the, the whole time was, uh, well, oh. I actually remember him saying, hold on a second, got to look something up. Like he was talking like he wasn't even on the air, and it was just like ten brutal minutes, and it, it was so, I felt so bad for him and so uncomfortable that I turned the radio off, and I'm like, I can't listen to this guy embarrass himself anymore. And I'm sure we'd all love to have the chance to embarrass ourselves on the radio because that would mean that we quote-unquote made it. But I just, I would love to be in a meeting in WFN and know what do they look for in talent. How does Al Hughes, who is funny, 
but is as talentless as it comes when it comes to anything remotely talking about talk radio because everything he says is like so moronic. And again, I think Al is funny, but he knows talent and he doesn't. He the, the guys who were telling Joe and I that they made it, we couldn't believe that these guys had made it to the second round. I'm thinking like, do you have to spend them money? You have to send them some money. I mean. Do you, you you not have to be a woman or Hispanic or whatever the case is? Because if you look at the talent roster on WFN, it's pretty much no women and no Hispanics, and it's just all the same people. You know, either either I don't even want to get into a racial thing, but I honestly wonder what their criteria is to pick people because I, I just don't get it. You know? Yeah, I and uh, yeah, I definitely can't figure it out. And then I have an issue with too because the person that I saw on Twitter that said like, yeah, I mean, it's the semis is a person that, because I tweeted him and I asked him, like, you know, which which tryout did you go to? And he said he um, he had entered the contest via the YouTube video. And I just think that, you know what, this is incredibly unfair because I could sit there and do a 100 takes of a YouTube yep. video until I totally perfect it and it sounds awesome. And then that kind of, that you know, that gets you into the semis and then, like, then they really get to see more of your personality. They ask you questions and stuff like that. When we just had to stand up there in front of them and that was it, we had three minutes and done, I think that yep. is just, that's ridiculous. Those people, hey, you want to do the video submission thing, that's fine, but those people need to stand up and do three minutes in front of you also before you decide no. if they can go on or not. I agree, and Joe and I didn't do the video because we both felt so, like, horribly dejected. We couldn't believe it. I mean, we thought we nailed it. Like you said, maybe it's God, like, all right, calm down. We thought we nailed it considering the other people that were there, and I was I was thinking to myself, man, Joe, there's no way we didn't make it. And, you know, I thought, again, we really did a good job, but when you can do that, when you can analyze it, I thought what they should have done is not only should they have quizzed you to see what your knowledge is, but I think they should have been the ones to say, all right, here's your topic, that moment, and put you on the spot. Because you know what? Uh, we've talked to a bunch of people from WFN, Evan Roberts. He told us, and Mark Moses, they don't plan their shows out. They just talk about whatever's there, whatever's trending. They don't sit there. Joe and I actually talk. We do, like, little production meetings, and we plan out what the topics of the show are. These guys just kind of by the seat of their pants, oh, whatever's going on. So they should have done that, said, you know what, here, sit down, do this. We're gonna, I'm going to be a caller. I'm going to call you. I'm going to give you five minutes, or I'm going to give you three minutes, whatever the case is, five minutes for a group, and I'm going to give you a topic. You talk about this, and I'm going to call in to talk to you or something like that. They should have made it in a way where it's interactive so you can see. I know I've been told for radio people they assume that you can interview, but interviewing people is not easy. It's not, it's not a skill that everybody can do. Some people are not good at it. So I, I don't know. It's just, again, I know it's sour grapes, and I know that we're here we are ranting and raving about it, but it's just – I. I'd hate to – I want to see who wins. I, it's probably going to be the worst person ever, worse than any anyone we've ever heard of, worse than the three of us. Um, I, I just don't know. I would love to see who wins the contest this year, Laura, i got to tell you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And I definitely think they should have they should have kind of put you on the spot more and asked you some questions because I had every intention of just – well, first of all, I emailed them. Like you said, they pretty much only advertised this like a week before they did it. And the second I heard the first commercial for it, I emailed them, and I was like, um, I fully intend on winning this, and I need to know how this goes down. And they told me, they emailed me back, and they said that, like, basically they were going to um, quiz you or give you general general trivia first, and then you were, like, selected to be one of the 100 people that they saw. So I thought that was going to be, like, the nerve-wracking part. I was like, oh, God, like, I don't follow basketball. Like, God only knows I can't remember stats, whatever. And then there was <laughs> none of that. And I had nope. every intention of just, 
totally shamelessly name-dropping because of my job. I was going to be like, oh, yeah, I hang out with baseball players all the time, and they're totally going to be guests on the show every week. <laughs> and I didn't have a chance to do that. So, whatever. My yeah, whole plan they, the just went totally is, down the drain. Of course. And the funny thing is when they asked, say, where are you guys from? Uh, I was like, oh, I'm Dave from Clifton, and Joe was like, I'm Joe. Uh, where are you from, Joe? I'm from Wellington. All right, guys, go. And then they start, like, picking their noses and, and, you know, eating sandwiches or whatever the hell they were doing over there. But it's funny you mentioned I, I did think there'd be a little more interaction. I thought that they were going to be impressed, honestly, because we had our, our whole show opening, you know, hey, welcome once again, Six Feet Bell Bells, Pure Gold is live and on the air, our whole shtick. I know a lot of guys did that, but we were loud, we were clear, we were concise, we did what we had to do, and... um you know, hopefully at some point we'll be able to make it and, you know, stick it to WFAN and make it, you know, to the big time because that's our, our goal, of course. But, uh, you know, Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Of course, you're welcome to call on the show anytime. It's been great chatting with you on, on Twitter and, you know, and uh, offline and stuff because, you know, you definitely are, are a good sports fan and someone who knows her, her stuff. And um, we really thank you for chiming in today because it was good to not to hear Joe rant for 15 minutes about it. At least we got to go a little <laughs> back and forth, a little roundtable discussion on this whole horrible WFN fantasy phenom contest, which we will not be entering next year. <laughs> I think that's a good idea. Well, thank you for having me. It was good to talk to other people that actually went through it. So, <laughs> Other people who suffered. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, pretty much. Exactly. All right, Laura, have a wonderful evening. And, uh, you know, again, back to your activity over there in Baltimore. Hopefully that that will go well for you. All right, thanks. You guys have a good night. You too. Take care. Folks, that was Laura joining us all the way from Baltimore, Maryland, um, on Secret Assignment. Again, cannot be mentioned what she's doing, but, uh, you know, good to have her on the show there, sir. It was. It's uh, been a long show, but very productive one, talking Dark Knight, Will Mets, Will Raw, and ending it with the crap that is known as Fantasy Phenom 3. Of course, sir. <laughs> Folks, we can't. <laughs> We thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thanks to Anna Zelensky for calling in. She's a great guest as always. Loves having her on. Thanks to Laura for joining us. Hans was impeccable, better than ever. This was our best roundtable discussion ever. I'm sure we're going to get a ton of listens on this show also. Uh, but, folks, make sure you tune in next Wednesday. We're back to our normal time of 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For JB, this is DG of Pure Gold reminding you to always keep it PG. Oh, what's the name of your show? Uh, Pure Gold. Pure gold. Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure gold. Good night, everyone.